mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talkar. Welcome to Talkar. <laughs> How are you, Rob? I'm feeling really proud. Why are you feeling proud, Rob? Proud to be myself. Oh. Which is a gay man. And today's guests have inspired me very much. And I feel like their work gives me a lot of strength. And it's also made me think a lot about my teenage years growing mm. up, especially going to like gay clubs in Reading when I went to school uh, in that area yeah. in Berkshire. And yeah, I've been following their work for a number of years. And you yourself got really passionately into their work. Big time. And I'm so, their biggest fan, I think. I think you are, actually. <laughs> yeah, I actually am. Yeah, I think then, the same for me from my experience in Essex growing up, growing up gay, I think... I am relating to this work a lot as well and my journey, my story and what that is now. Definitely. So we would like to welcome, welcome Hannah, Hannah Quinlan, Quinlan and Rosie Hastings. Hey. Hello. Hi guys. God, you you guys have that down. Fantastic introduction. <laughs> oh, we're just so <laughs> excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, your tea's coming in now. Yeah. Look at that. Chamomile tea to calm so you've all, you're feeling So you're feeling quite nervous? A little bit, a little bit. We've never yeah. done a podcast oh. before. But you do a, you've done a lot of interviews, haven't you? Yeah, we've done a lot of interviews and a lot of public do you speaking. Like, do you like? Oh, you do public speaking as well. Yeah, I a few lectures. Yeah. Every now and again. Do you like doing interviews and lectures? Um, I do, but yeah, this this is different though because I guess it's like recorded. We we when we've done interviews, it's normally been you have like a back and forth with the person who's written the piece. Yeah. yeah. So there is room for small changes yes an edit <laughs> yes. yes 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 but no no we yeah. can edit this we're not going to say anything we've just it. been um uh doing a magazine called hunger with a photographer mm. called rankin and we interviewed lots of different artists like um emma abbasia khan um haroon mirza zoe badeau hans Ulrich obris like different people mm. from the magazine and it was really interesting in the whole editing process and like and how they they gave us back their edits of what they wanted to actually put in the magazine yeah. and then we're putting the full interview out on our podcast mm. um series mm. but it's quite interesting the edit they do Literally. and you have to be really yeah. careful yeah. and read it through because they sometimes also when they do audio transcriptions yeah. they totally get the words wrong oh, no. and it's really quite funny so you yeah. have to like make sure you get it accurate because otherwise it's controlling gonna... editors I think no. that's why we're nervous about because when it comes to an interview, we're like, okay, we're going to completely rewrite this now. But with this, it's like, you know. Do you feel like that? So, as editors with your own work, so say, like, let's talk about your biggest work today yeah. is at Gay Bar, yeah. which is where you've been documenting, I think there's 100 queer spaces. Yeah, so that's called the UK Gay Bar Directory. Got it. Um, so, the UK Gay Bar Directory is a moving image archive of gay bars in the UK um, that we made in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we, we traveled around the UK, we went to 14 different cities. And 
I think we filmed, it was over 100 gay bars. It was like over 100. I can't remember how many spaces. Exactly. Like so many spaces. We've said wildly different numbers to different people. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Been up to 200. <laughs> but we've basically, we, we made a list of 200 bars and then through going out to different cities, we... I think there was about 50 that ended up getting cut off that list that had literally been closed since. But you'd seen them on the list. internet, you'd gone yeah, to yeah. the space and it just wasn't there anymore. Yeah, it was all a bit ad hoc. Like we'd turn up and we'd, be, we'd kind of have to radically rearrange our plan every time we got to a city because there was just it was such a time of like change that, you know, you never really knew what to expect when you arrived somewhere. Yeah. And even if the bar hasn't cl- hadn't closed, some of the bars were only open um on the weekends or like even one night a week some bars were doing that as a way of oh a gay night they mm. would have oh night. no they were like permanent gay venues but as a way of not having to close they would just start to open like one night a week to lower the cost really so, yeah and so you never did you set rules for yourself so you'd never ring ahead and be like hi guys we're coming up can we film here or would you sort of just turn up there and be like this is what we're doing yeah we tried that from the beginning <laughs> but gay bars have like a famous lack of management structure apparently yeah. <laughs> just like nightmare and you've got proof of that because yeah. you've done over a hundred yeah. there's, no one, yeah. there's no one to call nightmare. and if you do call someone they never think it's their their job to give yeah. you permission or and then some of the bars are run by huge chains in which it seems like you can never get to the person who's allowed to give you permission to film the bar. Wow. Yeah, we went a bit undercover. I think most people thought we were like secondary school students doing a project on gay bars. I honestly <laughs> think that. Yeah. I mean, we were 24 at the time, so we were super young, but I think people thought we were literally like 14 and like, I don't know what they thought But that's we were quite doing. interesting because I also think not many people have actually gone in and done this kind of work before. Never. To like evaluate it and critically look at the whole structures yeah. that, you know, have been built up as the gay kind of... As a social commentary as yeah. well. Is it? Yeah. yeah, and as, as bars. Uh, and especially when I was growing up, I remember thinking that if you'd go to a gay bar and then... Um, my friends that were women would come along with me and then often like guys would be quite like why are they here yeah. or something and I used to really upset me and then when I was in my band I used to do I started out doing gigs in all the gay clubs mm. that was like how it started like oh. the cock nag 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 yeah. uh, ghetto like those kind of things uh, electrogogo all these kind of club nights and in those environments it was very different because mm. women were really included because mm. you had like Princess Julia or you had yeah, um, yeah. Anna Mantronic or you had all these different kind of um, female singers as well that would come in and perform live mm. Um so in London, I felt like it was slightly different. Mm. But then you did have that whole kind of XXL club where like mm. women weren't even allowed in. Yeah. And I always had a real problem with that because I felt like it was just sort of... And that's so... just gone. That's literally just closed down mm. XXL. Has it really? It? Yep. I, I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah, yeah. XXL's just gone. Just gone. They've turned that venue into... Look at you. you are so upset No, I'm now. not upset. I'm just yeah. shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone. But that's so interesting because all the gay clubs, I feel like, <laughs> are getting shut down. Like there's yeah. none left anymore. But this is what yeah. your work is about, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. This is what you're documenting. Yeah. Especially with that project, it was, I think... In when we started filming 2015, 2016, it was a particularly bad time for closures. Like you had um, the Black Cat closed yeah. and yeah, in Camden, yeah, um, yeah, and oh my god, join his arms, join his arms. That George was a big and the one. Dragon. George and Dragon, yeah. All all of these big historical venues seem to be mm. closing, and it it was really in response to that. And then we started doing it actually in Newcastle, where Hannah's from. And mm-hmm. I think going out of London, going to gay bars out of London, seeing kind of what was happening it was it showed us that there was a kind of real diversity of reasons why gay bars were closing and it was kind of different had like there was like geo specific reasons why um this was happening and mm. i think that's what draw drew, it drew us into that was the it. obsession yeah was that became to... our obsession kind of kind of understand what was going on and connecting all these sort of moments in time 
and you know to create this bigger picture of the sort of UK and mm. and that was a time as well like during Brexit it was like the beginning of sort of Brexit so the beginning of the Brexit vote and there's this real sort of social and political upheaval and I think that was very much something that was being lived through in the gay bars um so yeah it was just and you come up against a lot of people reluctant to let you into the bar mm. as your female it was a nightmare honestly being snuck into sex clubs at 9am and um sort of begging to be let into all male clubs and being turned away and it was just became this real conflict in the work on one hand we were trying to create an archive and on the other hand we were really angry and pissed off because there was part of us that wanted to you know celebrate this culture yeah but at the same time you've been told you're not we've allowed been completely to. rejected by it and it's so frustrating we're putting you know we, we were on the road for like nine months and it was just really hard and and yeah it became that became like an important tension. Was it just you two with a, a video camera? And or? yeah, it was just us two with a GoPro camera, so like a <laughs> tiny, tiny camera. Which yeah. I think I don't know if we made that choice con- consciously at the beginning, but it became. I think it would have been the only way we could have actually made filmed the directory because going into these bars with anything larger than that would have just been completely impractical mm. in terms of like just gaining access, gaining permission to film as Rosie said quite often you weren't able to like get official permission so you had to kind of do it on the sly Mm. Um, it also would have felt a bit voyeuristic I think like we were keen to just sort of slip in and it's the space there's nobody in the space it's these spaces that that the queer people and allies occupy So you're documenting them. Yeah. So it's that kind of spirit in there yeah. of what, what is to be, the kind of excitement of when you walk into a gay yeah. bar when there's no one there. Mm-hmm. Just we were really interested as, as well because when we first started working together, we started off by building gay bars. Like we built one in our bedroom, we built one in our studio. We built what do you mean you built a gay bar? Like what did that involve? <laughs> I never a dis- knew that. Yeah, that involve really? a disco Honestly, ball? And we like, oh, built, wow, you don't even know. <laughs> we would build like the booths. So like we would upholster like huge big booths, like sitting booths and then get all the buy tables like secondhand online and then get all the stainless steel bar furniture Got, in, like, your, in your flat in our well we, no, were li- we weren't living in like a we were flat. living in a studio we were running and like living in a studio building on, on Murray Lane in Peckham which was amazing like we we moved there when we just graduated and we weren't we were paying like 100 pounds a month rent we had two studios wow. huge bedroom it was like the complete fantasy of being a young artist with yeah. all this space and so we said let's build a gay bar and start running a gay bar because that's kind of what we were interested in and and it was we saw it as this kind of opportunity to create a space that could critically look at the mainstream gay bar scene and um sort of socialize some of the ideas in, in queer theory we're thinking about and create a more community facing kind of space mm. so mm. we we started doing these one night events and it was so crazy we spent all month building it and we got really obsessive about all the little the details. details we had actual glasses not plastic yeah. glasses, which is <laughs> wow she's rare yeah. even in yes. real gay bars i don't know why we did that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stupid. we made like these huge light boxes we showed video work and it was kind of we learned how to do absolutely everything um how long did you do this for i think that was yes. like four years four years yeah ages yeah. once a month <laughs> for four years no no no, 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 no. we did like two month. or three a year <clears throat> oh. and then the last one we did was right after we finished uk gay bar directory and i think we had this weird idea then that because we saw ourselves as part of more of this like sort of grassroots almost like act you know we didn't see ourselves as really artists we saw ourselves more as a kind of activist or like community organizers right and so we got commissioned to make the gay bar directory by Somerset House and straight, it was during the opening of the show, we organised this month-long at gay bar kind of event and space mm. where we programmed a different thing every single night. And 
I think we saw it as sort of anecdotal to working with Somerset House and and sort of anecdotal to working with the institution. But it was just so... <laughs> I think that was the one that was really the nail in the coffin because it was so hard. We did it for a month. Yeah. We were working day yeah, jobs. Well, it would always... We'd, we would always build bars with like a real sense of permanence as if they were... They didn't feel like a one-night-only event. Mm. They felt very much like a permanent space. But did you live in them when they weren't being used by like customers? Yeah. Do you use them in your house? Well, we would just build them for one night and then that. dismantle them. You would? Yeah. This, yeah. But this is... <laughs> no, we, so, yeah, we would spend about three weeks building it and then take it down. So day. financially, yeah. this was being supported by Somerset House as an ongoing... No, 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 no. no, no this no. was being supported this by... This was just us. Hannah worked at the Peck and Pelican and What's I worked that? at the British um, Museum. So that's a bar um, <clears throat> in... Pe- where it's kind of like Camberwell, opposite South London Gallery. Yes. So it's kind of ridiculous. I was working in the bar and then I would finish my shift and then I would go to our bar for the two two weeks we had it open. So this was the first time we had opened a bar for longer than one night. Um, So yeah, I think it was just the act of having to... I think we just experienced how hard it is to run a gay venue yeah maybe um wow. all the you, like, did you have like drama. doormen and stuff like that or how did you we how had did you keep we it had, safe we had someone on the door we didn't have it was very illegal we didn't have security we had we did pay someone to be on the door but they weren't i mean no susie was a bouncer at that time she yeah she was actually an officiated bouncer yeah we had a bouncer we had a few people <laughs> on the door but it's very much you knock on the door you get let in there's no windows. It was boiling hot. There was a huge wind machine. Everyone was sort of smoking in there, being naughty. And we could get raided by the police a few times. That's, you did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some reason, they never um, took it further, which I don't understand because they came in. We were like, it's a private party. And then they came up and they just saw like all this money behind the bar. Oh, and... So did you make money from doing it as well? <laughs> oh, my God. We lost so much money. Oh, you lost money? No, no honestly, we always lost money. But you, did, money. you made enough money to like... So keep running to it. do that's it. all we wanted that's all we cared about wow yeah so, and you did you see it as like a performance art as well yeah it definitely started off it started off as kind of like a container in which to put our like as rosie said like socialized ideas around queer theory and like we were making videos for the bars and the first time we showed the uk gay bar directory was in the installation so we had it shown on a screen inside of the bar behind the bar yeah and and then and it's five hours long, isn't it? What, the yeah. gay bar director? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's four and, and a half it, hours And it's long. written places that it's an ongoing thing, but you've finished that now, that project's yeah, no, done. Yeah, no, oh, there's part of me that would just love to get back on the road, because I feel like... Because half of them are probably gone again, haven't they? They're and, probably gone, there's probably some new ones, but also just those conversations we had, the photos we took, the material we collected, it really was that gay bar directory and the at gay bar project were mm. both completely foundational to our practice mm. and it's something that we're still drawing on like for instance our most recent film something for the boys that we shot last year mm. that was set in this incredible venue in blackpool um called funny girls which is like an art deco cabaret and this was at venue. kiss my genders at the hayward gallery recently yeah yes and and that was that was all because of the gay bar director. We went to Blackpool, we found this, you know... This What's amazing about that is yeah. that now you're talking about building the gay bar yourself, is that is an actual installation where you feel like you're walking into this kind of lounge yeah. of a gay club with these faux yeah. velveteen curtains yeah. that are ruched going in. Yeah. So it's a, an immersive experience, which is yeah, actually yeah. an amazing way to see video art, parenthesis, yeah. isn't it? What an incredible 
thing to do. I love yeah. that. And I think that the way that installation, like it was because when we were talking to the the curator Van Sant, he actually commissioned us to do an at gay bar event at the David Roberts when he was still it. working there as a director. And I think he had that That's a vision in his isn't mind. It? David Roberts is a big collector yeah. and he supports and they and they really supported us at, in our early career. Wow. Um, mm. But I think he had that at gay bar sort of installation in mind and he said, you know, I want it to be spectacular and, and it really drew those qualities out I think mm-hmm. so what is it like making work together because you are a couple yeah yep. and you're in love so in love <laughs> oh <laughs> no, it's amazing how much you travel like I feel like you're, mm. you're kind of constantly on the road like a band or something it's brilliant no. but like you obviously you like so, Shakespeare's but, sister but I, I know from experience that when you travel <laughs> even with like your best friends or your lovers or whatever oh god me and Rob like, oh be- like best mates he does my head in <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what about this way uh, yeah, you I'm do my perfect, head in too no but um I know how intense it can be, especially when you're like exhausted from traveling or all that kind of thing. So, what, what, what's it been like for you to be on this journey together? It must be incredible. And you met you met a training as well, like at school. Uh, yeah, we met at Goldsmiths. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's been so easy. It feels yeah. like we no. It was difficult at the beginning because you have to like get rid of your ego about Destroy like it. authorship and the idea of like talent and skill and like who what's coming who's from who and like who's bit of the work that is and whose bit of the work is Rosie's and whose is mine and you kind of lose all of that but I think most artists um do work collaboratively mm. and I think it's just with us that we are na- we're both named but everyone I know kind of they'll work with assistants or they'll collaborate with people and I think I think of people like think, Christo and for mm. years it was just Christo mm. and then she had her name added Jean-Claude mm. oh, really? but she didn't for the first I don't yeah, know yeah. 15 yeah. years of their career yeah. Yeah. but you two have started from the beginning yeah. I mean and yeah. also like how do you work out what your medium is because the draw, I'm talking about the drawings yeah, especially, yeah. which I love I love your drawings oh my god They're I amazing. love your drawings <laughs> They're so, so amazing. you make them together yeah and you're saying about which bit of which work yeah, is yeah, whose yeah. and whose. How do you delegate these big scale drawings that you yeah, do? Yeah, we're figuring I, it out. But I think again with I think again with this, it's like I think people who've made drawings. I mean, like if you think of like old masters, Renaissance style, they've always worked with like a studio of assistants, and they've worked on different parts of the drawing, and then the assistants have done sketches for the composition, and then it's all been come together. I think we're both basically orchestrating the drawing and. There is parts in which there is moments in which you'll delegate certain tasks to someone. Yeah, we sort of but, take it in turns to be the boss yeah. or the assistant. Wow! But I think yeah. it's quite. I think it's quite a traditional in, within way of each working. Drawing, it kind yeah, of... yeah. So we'll we'll just say yeah. Well, for instance, like one of us will be working in the composition. We'll be like, okay, you go and figure out the color palette, and then we'll swap over, and someone will be drawing all the faces, and it's really intense. And, and the say, faces are you. Go and them, and because oh, I yeah. just acquired a drawing called the Sleepers yeah. from Arcadia. Oh yeah. no, from PPOW yeah. Gallery. Was that the one at Freeze? Yeah. You got that one? Yeah. I didn't know you bought it. Yes. That's hilarious. I actually posted it on my Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't even know you'd bought That's it. Mine, yeah. That's mine, I was just about to say yes. that I loved, I spent ages on PPOW's oh. booth standing in front of your, your work. And obviously yeah. I was incredibly busy because I had my own booth yeah. there, but I actually made time to go and look at it because oh, I'd seen it on, on Instagram and I was like, I have to see this in real life. Yeah. And it is the most beautiful work and I can't believe I'm going to get to see more of yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. it. Yeah, well, not for a while because I think it's staying in the States and possibly yeah. being used somewhere else. But oh, that's great. the faces yeah. in it are your, I got told, was your face? Um, well, Rosie's the model. I mean, it's a mashup. It's a mashup. <laughs> my, brother, my brother actually came it's to me and he got sucked mashup. into the drawing as well, which is yeah. funny. No, we. Really I think cool. we, we we sketch out the composition without any references, and then from that point you're like, shit, I don't know how to draw this. I need a photo. So we'll like take. Obviously, it's normally just me and Rosie in the studio, so we'll end up taking pictures of each other mm. and doing 
um, just to get DLs for the pose, even though the people often end up looking very different. Mm. Yeah, like obviously some of them are men and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's useful to have that kind of foundation. Often we just end up using each other. But it's funny we have got a few drawings where you can very specifically see that it's me or Hannah, and it's just really yeah. I think it's something yeah. quite nice about. It's quite nice that we mm. really work like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm so happy that you got the sleepers. Oh, I love it. And that I, was and a lot of love into went Edward into Edward Byrne Jones. Has which, it? Which before, I mean, he was peripheral. Yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, very. We're peripheral. not even that into Edward Byrne Jones. I'm but not these lying. images, though, like, yeah. He did yeah. a Dreamers sequence, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did the Briar Rose series, That's which it. is based on the Sleeping Beauty um, story. I mean, we honestly nothing to do with Edward Byrne Jones. Go to Tate, and we just get started having this conversation um, because, I mean, I'm sure like a lot of art historians will disagree with me about this, but we were just interested in how um, sort of the way that the tape presented Edward Burns Jones was with this sort of presentation of it being um, slightly queer and slightly feminist yeah. because he has all these... Fluidity. Sort of, and, yeah, he's got yeah. these fluid, gender-fluid characters yes. and that who are very androgynous. Um, but on the other hand, we were interested in the fact that the way that he sort of constructs these sort of nationalistic myths about these sort of origin stories, British origin stories. Mm. And it felt very um, significant that the show opened at the time of um, sort of upheaval, upheaval where origin stories in the UK are being con- um, sort of contested. And mm-hmm. um, we're thinking about how his images sort of could sort of get absorbed into narratives that are being used by white nationalists. Mm. Um, it was very much like a ultra conservative, like an aesthetic of queer white androgyny as a cover yeah. up for white supremacy. Or yeah, wow. Um, we got in deep. That's yes. why we got into Edward Van Jones. Um, yeah. And then also just, I think it was just that room where the Briar Rose series was. He has four of them. And just, we loved that, how intense it was. Just yeah. seeing that, spinning around, looking at all the paintings. We thought, wow, imagine if we um, we did that. But we only did one in the end. Cause our, how our, long did they take these drawings? So that, the <sighs> sleepers long. took two and a half months. Wow. Oh my God. And it, you did this in Barcelona. They are so yeah. detailed yeah. though. I know. This it's is very 10 slow. It's hours a day. Six days a week. So does it drive you? Can you still look at the work and be like, "Oh, I remember that bit and we're doing that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hate the minute you go through. Yeah, yeah, you go through phases of absolutely detesting a drawing, and then suddenly you're like, "It's amazing." I know. And then you're like, "Never each other. (laughs) Never each other. No, never get wound up with each other." Oh, oh, of course. Oh, okay. The (laughs) The slamming doors, the storming out, the tears. Like you really, (laughs) drawing is the most existential thing you can do. There's. You are on this journey and it's so emotionally intense. And I don't know why it is. It's not like this with any other medium. I know. But you just... It's really weird. It's because you have to be so you'll confident. You'll get so worked up and then it's like, all we're doing is drawing a picture. Yeah. Like, can we just calm down? <laughs> That's amazing. But this yeah. is this is a, a massive part of your practice drawing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We actually started drawing after we filmed the Gay Bar Directory. And I think... Yeah, so it's only been, what, like two and a half yeah. years drawing? But were you drawing when you were younger as well? Um, I drew a lot. Yeah, I did draw. Yeah. But it was more... This was more like we were like, we're quite intense. Like we're like, oh, we want to do something. Let's learn. We want to be like a Renaissance master and we'll get really obsessed. We're like, we want to mm. be like Michelangelo. We get, yeah, so, we're, we just, yeah. and like the amount of times we've like been really upset because we're like, we're just not as good as him. Like, it's Michelangelo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's great. I like, you know, I like have, I'll come to Rosie with these sob stories being like, oh, I just feel like I'm never going to be as good as 
Michelangelo. Have to, like, go for a walk <laughs> She's like, park. shut up. Like, why are you getting upset about this? Oh, my God, this? I would love yeah. to be, like, a camera on the wall listening yeah. to these conversations. Yeah. That is so ridiculous. Our lives are honestly ridiculous. But that's an amazing yeah. way of getting into the work. Yeah. obviously respecting art history and yeah. what's come before and then telling, comes, carrying on and that also conversation. Striving, and yeah. striving for greatness. Yeah. I feel like that's Perfection. really... That's what George Kondo did, didn't he? He yeah. set out and said, look at the great masters, look at the yeah. Picassos and everything, and why are they doing that? And I want to understand that, so I'm going to paint like them and then continue the conversation. And actually, we met Alvaro Barrington yesterday and I heard him talk about before this idea that um, people often think someone like Jean-Michel Basquiat mm. or Warhol, all these people are like superhuman, mm. that they're from another planet. But mm. in fact, they're just humans and they yeah. are just like you and me. Yeah. And yeah. that anything is possible and we all can do whatever we want to That's do. That's what I feel. Everyone's like, oh, you're so good. And I'm like, no, I'm actually really bad. I'm not I don't, I'm not naturally good at drawing. Like we actually have watched YouTube videos and like gotten books for children and we've gone yeah. to life drawing like for two years now and you build it up like any talent mm. um also i read about michelangelo recently which really put my michelangelo worries to bed that he <laughs> he actually burned a huge amount of his preparatory drawings because he didn't want anyone to see them the so, sketches before, yeah so wow. he he destroyed a huge amount of his work and he only wanted the final pieces to be left mm. intact so that obviously it would retain this myth of him That's being so, cool. so he, they were aware at the time that they wanted to come across as this perfect yeah perfect so now yeah. i know Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So. And for the work that Russell got from Freeze, mm. um, when did you know it was finished? Like, how do you say this is finally finished? Have you been working it's that tough. intensely? Yeah, it's tough. It's like an escalation. It's always a bit of an escalation. Like you go from this routine, and it all the last week of a drawing, you lose all your shit, and you're it's all you do. It's all you can think about. It's all mm. you can obsess over. And we were cutting things in, rubbing them out, redrawing them, kind mm. of in this get really frantic, and then. And then suddenly it's like you can't go on anymore and you just are so tired and you hate it so much and you just have to pull the plug. And also, the, you know it's the, the deadline as well. Yeah. It's a big And help. the deadline. <laughs> Without the deadline, you would yeah. just go on. They were like, you got to have this ready for free. Yeah. yeah. Framed and ready yeah. for free. Yeah. The framing yeah. deadline, yeah, that just really helps you be like, okay, let's stop. <laughs> we did manage to not do any all night yeah. or so, which was nice. Oh, that's late. a shame. I was hoping you would have lost <laughs> yeah. sleep over that drawing. Deadly sleep over. it's called the sleepers. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what's next for you two? Oh my god! So, we have our first ever institutional solo show coming up, um, which opens at the beginning of February at Focal Point Gallery. Woo! In South End, Essex. Yeah. Woo! So we love South Bend. We were there yes. yesterday. Um, yes, yeah, cool, yeah. right? 
Um, we're That's actually, so exciting. I know, and we love Catherine Stout, who's the curator. She's also yeah. from Essex. She's so cool. Yeah. And we're obsessed with her, and we're so happy to be... She's just like a breath of fresh air. And she's, she's so gone from the ICA, hasn't she? She was yeah. at the ICA for a long time. She's, she's just great. got this like, calm energy, which is so like unusual in the art world. Like It's almost like it's not you're not working on a show, you're working... It's just really... I don't know, it's, it's very, it's like very soothing about like, her, yeah. yeah. Do you know what you want to do? You've got ideas. So next week we're going to um, a farmhouse in Toulouse to meet this woman, Fleur, and she's going to teach us how to paint frescoes. No so way! That is, that is our next skill. Here that we come, Sistine Chapel. Wow. Oh my God, but would, that, so would that be straight onto the wall there, do you think? Um, we're trying to figure it out. Like... That- it depends on practical. We won't, yeah. How long are you going to get get to do that in a month or something? Or we've got a week. The well, the workshops a week, and then we come back, and then the install period is only two weeks. So we're trying to figure out if, you know, if we might need to paint, get a section of wall, and put it in a studio and paint it before, or like if we can do it in the gallery. We're trying to figure it all out. It's very confusing. No one paints frescoes anymore. Like, there's no one... Normally, when we start doing something, you just reach out to our friends and we're like, mm. how'd you do this? And they tell us. But with this, it's like, no, no. We're reading, like, these Renaissance hand books to, mm. like, painting frescoes. We and, use like, gold leaf, do you think, and stuff? No. I don't think so. No. It's a bit tawdry. That's so interesting, though, because it's true. It's a dying art. Yeah. A lot of these, like, ancient kind of crafts, mm. almost, or or skills are totally dying out. And yeah. it is really important to try and keep it's it like alive. It's like a folk art, but, isn't it? Yeah. Thing, yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't seem to exist as much. yeah. I, I don't know what drew us. I think something about the perp. I think it was also that we do drawing and we've always, people have been like, okay, when are you going to start painting? And it's not, if we still just feel a bit weird about oil on canvas, like, I don't think we can go there. And this just feels like, it feels a bit sculptural, you know, you're doing mm. the layers of plaster and you've got the pigment and it feels a bit painty and a bit drawery. And it's it feels like a really, just feels like the perfect, happy So exciting. There is also something quite permanent about mm. frescoes because you think about them even though they might fall apart a bit they do seem to sort of last somehow don't they mm. if, they're, if they're cared for I guess we look yeah. at ones in churches end up getting plastered over and then like 400 years yeah then they, they uncover them, them yeah. it's always no I think we were magic. definitely drawn to that idea of like a it being permanent within the architecture yeah. yeah, that'd be pretty cool if they did do yeah. it. Like they did church, covered it up, and then about five hundred years they kind of take focal point apart, and they're like, "What is yeah. this? What? All I, these I, queer I knew someone people." In Paris, who actually my ex-boyfriend yeah. in Paris uh, bought a flat, mm. and he was doing all the work, and suddenly yeah. the architect called him while we were dating and said, "Oh, there's a, a fresco behind here or something," and they actually Whoa. took all the plaster off, and they found yeah, something, an and it ended up becoming the main feature in his flat. Oh wow! wow. And, oh my and, God, I'd love to see a picture. Yeah, and I don't think it was anything super like <laughs> collectible or whatever it was called, <laughs> yeah. you know, like famous, but it was just something more yeah. I don't know I can't remember what it was now but but it did totally change the way he was doing his apartment wow. it was like the yeah, coolest you would, of thing course, you'd never you have known avoid that could you ignore that yeah it's so cool that's amazing have yeah. you ever documented queer spaces in Essex um, no we didn't do Essex sad. Oh, we did you... want to go do sundowners and that's in Margate Margate oh, that's in Margate yes. yeah in Kent no, yeah. Uh, we've got a good friend um, Ted who lives in Margate who's a dancer I don't know if you've met him not yet he, no. he's amazing and he's yeah he's promised to give us a good tour of well, yeah, well, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can join up. We saw Margate Pride looks quite banging this year. Do you know what? It was really banging and it yeah. was so busy and Aww. it was so happy. And, it and Mel C me. was there, wasn't Mel she? Mel C was there, who I love. But it was like old school. It felt really like what it was like in 95 or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like It reminded it me of. Like, was no, it, it wasn't commercialised. No, it wasn't commercialised at all. It's just better. It was yeah. so Honestly. good. Honestly, yeah. it was great. Um, nice. I'm quite interested in this idea that you both studied at Goldsmiths and obviously when you're, because you're both still really young in mm. a way, but you've had a lot of institutions kind of start to support the work like you've done, like Russell said, the Hayward and then you've had the Whitechapel and now you've got Focal Point. Do you feel a pressure when um, when you start getting these these shows or does it or does it just feel like 
uh, almost going to help push you forward in your strength of you know believing in yourself or something like uh, how does that feel just because i know we have a lot of younger artists listening to the mm-hmm. podcast who might not have even gone to university yet or things like that like what's it like actually beginning to exhibit once um, you've left uni I think it's. I think the opportunities you're given are really, really important to how your work develops and how big you can start to imagine your work becoming. Um, and for us, it was a case of being very. Everything was self-initiated, and we weren't really getting asked to do anything. So we were. I think we were like building the bars, and then, and then we started to get asked to do stuff. And then, depending on kind of like financial support from institutions and just like literally physically how much space they're giving you it just um, enables you to like imagine these huge ideas I think we just um encountered that a lot with uh, we just did a commission with art nights which was a performance art commission and I think that just allowed us to develop our performance practice in a way that I just wouldn't have even been able to imagine before so I think wow yeah, this is with a gay a pride float yeah mm. single pride float it was wasn't wild it? yeah traveling through where was it yeah, going through Walthamstow so, yeah. was, so Art Nights was in Walthamstow this year and it was curated by um Helen Nisbet who was amazing and and yeah they just they said to us imagine the craziest thing you can think of and we'll make it happen and no one's ever said that to us before <laughs> normally they're like you're too crazy shut yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. don't do <laughs> that just stick do to the, this. give us a drawing yeah give yeah, us yeah. a nice drawing <laughs> and we were like yes we can do whatever we want and so we built a pride flow we made this hour-long um uh music composition we made worked, our own band made our own band wow <laughs> made a film that we showed in this huge stadium screen it was in public it was out in the public which was amazing so you got like s- families and like, uh, so i'm so inspiring you rise to the challenge you're not scared but that's what i'm about to say because yeah. i feel no, like with you two you have this incredible positivity bit. as yeah. well and like yeah. it's like you're taking these cha- these new uh, op- opportunities and just like Going seizing the day with them. So good. Yeah. And I think what you're saying as well about that thing of working with institutions and like the responsibility that comes with it. I think when I think that the beginnings of our practice, we did feel very much like all we had this idea that the work we were creating, it was intended as a public resource. Things like the gay bar directory, like we it wasn't artwork, but it was we wanted it to be more than that. We wanted it to be a something that people could use for like research Mm. or something that could be used in education. Right. And so and so it did make it did partner well with an institution which is a public resource and and i think we've just pursued that throughout our career and i think that is why now we are getting we have ended up doing more institutional stuff right 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 and if you want to see this it's at the walker art gallery in liverpool yes so you can go there whenever you you want and see it (laughs) yeah because they they bought it for the collection didn't they yeah and that was crazy it It was so brilliant uh, the art fund and it was a fund for the walker to um invest it was yeah invest in queer art and that was we were 24 25 and it was just the most validating um thing in the world ever and then the art council bought um, this sculpture that we made called Attitude, which we showed with the gay bar directory. Um, this is the court board. No, that wasn't a court. That board. wasn't that, that was wasn't the court two. board. Oh. Court board was part of it, yeah. and it, and that's what we showed at the Whitechapel. And and this this Attitude sculpture is a metal wall sculpture that's powder coated, and it was sort of this pride flag in with water and clouds and oh, fire. Oh, I've not seen that. Um, and that yeah, that was last very recently acquired by the Art Council and oh. that's been a conversation ongoing since 2016. So that was, yeah, just it was just amazing. It just blew us away. Can you explain the corkboard work? Because I find that work really touching because mm. 
my memories of growing up are very much like you would see because when you're when you realize you're gay well this is my experience anyway when i realized i was gay you sort of try you're living in a town where maybe you've never really met anyone else or you might not realize you've met anyone else who's gay um and then you would go to like magazines say or when you do eventually go to the gay bar or the gay club you start seeing images mm-hmm. of what's being presented to you as almost like what the gay on the cover of the free magazine precisely like boys for example exactly or you act- start seeing these guys who are often very muscly or mm-hmm. you know all this thing that or i white. wasn't a lot of or white, a lot of white yeah, exactly uh, predominantly white actually mm. and so you're being fed this kind of information that you're then trying to to, to align yourself with because you want to belong to something but it doesn't actually really resonate with you at all because it's not who I was do you know what I mean and I found that corkboard work you made really touching because of that kind of experience that I'd had myself yeah so with the the corkboard was basically a, a collection of leaflets um, kind of like posters free magazines such as Boys Zone and Scott's Gay and then there was also an archive of Attitude magazine which is like a very mainstream UK gay magazine that's been running I think since like mid 80s, 80s I yeah. want to say um, which is kind of famous for having often straight white muscular celebrities on the cover Prince William yeah Prince William what is that was, was he actually on the cover yeah, of adverts yeah, shocking like, that I didn't so know weird. 2016 <laughs> when we really? made the work and then there yeah. was also loads of adverts for the red arrows in the magazine it's just very weird, <laughs> that, weird. it's the formation though isn't it that's what we're all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, we need to know about the red arrows now <laughs> yes. um, it was really weird actually Attitude magazine recently featured an image of the corkboard which on the corkboard there's loads of Attitude magazine covers which we've burned and ripped up and then <laughs> they like obviously completely not knowing the yeah. content have they Reprinted included it. an image of this corkboard and I was like it's very very yeah. strange mm. but I think what we were what, the reason why we were drawn to this ephemera and we started collecting it was because what you're saying like gay I think that's it's part of that culture of gay bars that makes them truly unique is that they are, that's part of the way that they form a community is through this sort of these leaflets these flyers these services that they um that they promote and um and what we were interested in is that although gay bars are you know they can be the source of a lot of problems within the community like of related to like substance abuse for example like they're also providing this sort of anecdotal anecdote to that by with with a these safe space. yeah a safe space and so this kind of support level of degree of support mm. and and that's i don't know it's something yeah. that we really loved it's about a, the venues we visited yeah it's a very like messy situation that seems to be unique to gay bars is that you have venues that sell alcohol at like incredibly low prices and then they also have a lot of um leaflets in that venue kind of advertising support for alcoholics yeah, and awareness it was, and it's part of this wider weird mix wider sort of culture where like for instance i remember going to a bar in brighton and everyone there was like over the age of 80 and we spoke to the owner and he was like oh it's basically like an lgbtq like old people's home here mm, and we're wow. like that's not a service that is offered by austerity uk no. No. these venues are becoming a sort of public infrastructure they have a, a use and in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in blackpool we went to a bar that opened at 9 a.m and we were like why do you open at 9 a.m that's crazy and the guy was like because there's loads of there's a really big homelessness problem in blackpool and i'd rather that the people came here and had oh. somewhere to sit all day in the warm and and get really he was selling drinks at pretty much cost like you could get a pint for like a pound and 
And he was like, I'd rather people be in here and we can keep an eye on them. And then after seven, we kicked them out and it turns and we put the prices up and turns back into a kind of gay oh, venue. Oh, wow. Yeah. That guy needs an award. No, I know. So they become Ian like, Roche. They become We're like obsessed. Really, <laughs> multi-purpose venues. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And they... R- yeah. Ross used to talk a lot about that, about having, when we all got old, like yeah. almost like investing well, in old, people's, a, old mm. people's home. Like retirement mm. homes. Yeah, and but also we would all support, go to it. There's a charity called yeah. Opening Doors, which looks after... Yeah, yeah, we've done some stuff with Opening Doors. Amazing. And Albert Kennedy Trust looks after homeless youth. I'm a patron for them. It's like, it's a really important service yeah, because yeah. I tried to like volunteer for opening doors and they didn't accept me oh what do you mean well I get why because basically you, you get a friend and then you um, go and see them once someone. a week yeah. but basically if you've got a weird schedule like us same and you don't oh, know where you're going to be yeah. you kind of can't do anything I, tried, so. I did it with Help the Age I did yeah. all the training and then I was like oh I've got a job for six months <laughs> yeah. and they're like oh uh, you can't do this anymore you've got to see someone every week yeah because you need yeah. the continuity yeah you, because yeah. they, they, they yeah. like that for the yeah. trust yeah. Anyway, so yeah. we ask everyone who comes on uh, two very important questions. The first one, and you know this because you've been listening. Yeah, to talk about. we know we're prep. Who who did you listen to again? You listened to Zadie, Zadie Shaw, Zadie Cole, Zadie Zadie was also in um, Art Night. Art Night, wasn't yeah. she? We, we love Zadie. Hi, Zadie. We love Zadie. <laughs> yes, Zadie, you're a goddess. And you were listening to talk about while you were making the drawing in Barcelona yeah, that yes. I acquired at Freeze. Yeah, all very meta. All very meta. Love it. We ask everyone. If you could do an art heist and you have a touchstone artwork that you can steal and live with forever, what would that be? So we chose very boring early Renaissance painting. We chose Mantenga's um, Crucifixion. Wow. Very, That's I don't intense. know if what that goes comes on in to that, mind. Then? It's just the most amazing composition. So it's the three crosses and then there's the Romans, but the Romans are the campest Romans I've ever They're seen. They're like gay Romans. <laughs> and everyone's wearing pink. Well, they all were, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. such gay yeah, Romans. Very gay. No, it's just an amazing, oh. it's just an amazing. There's a lot of melodrama, it's very dramatic. Where did yeah. you see this? Well, we first saw it in Mantenga's book. <laughs> Which we amended. And then we went to the Louvre and saw it. But oh, wow. barely saw it. Yeah, it's yeah. permanent. So it's three crosses, all like all up. There's there's bodies on the crosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christ up there. And then you got like yeah. Mary like fainting into the arms of the yeah. woman. And then you got the gambling soldiers. And you got a drunk. And it's just it's kind of all kicking. It's like the most insane. It's like but it's yeah. this really yeah. nice perspective that we've. Mm. I mean, in Funny Girls, we yeah. use the same kind of perspective. So the the figures come right up to the edge of the image. So funny, Funny Girls is a drawing that we were commissioned to make um, by the Hayward Gallery. Yeah. We also yeah. showed it at Freeze. Yeah. This is the black and white one. Yeah. yeah. The, so th- this is a room and there's yeah. like violence yeah. and love yeah. and then yeah. people being worshipped and it's quite yeah. kind of like it reminds me of like Orange is the New Black in yeah. sections. <laughs> and I was actually reading a text about your work and yeah. it said like you often present uh, people, I guess, on the cusp of violence love or, or violence, yeah. and I was like, God, that's really intense. Yeah. That's dramatic in itself. Yeah. I loved it. I know. Um, so, can I ask you something? When you saw it in the book and you loved it, mm. and you were like obsessing over that work, when you go to the Louvre and you finally see it in real life, what was that like? It was hell. There was, I, there, was there was a tourist behind tapping. I was looking at. It, I was like, Oh my god, this is amazing! I'm finally trying to have it. a moment. And then this like woman was just tapping on my shoulder, being no. like, Get push, out the way. Being like, Get out of the way! I want to take a photo. And I was like, Fuck. Yeah, so annoying. That that is the pressure of being in the Louvre. The Louvre yeah. is the worst, it most the, stressful yeah. place ever, and they shouldn't put their art in there. It's just too yeah, too hectic. All these places are crazy. Yeah. Even though that, even we went to Tate Britain to see the William Blake, and we were like queuing to see each drawing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not the 
best way to see uh, art is it becomes festival when it's yeah although it's good that so many people are actually going out and seeing it no, on it the is. other hand yeah. I also think early morning's often good if you go really <laughs> yeah, yeah, early yeah. sometimes you or miss right the crowds or right before closing yes or right before closing yeah. exactly yeah, yeah 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 so the other question we ask every guest is what is your favourite colour so our favourite colour is quite specific it's called Helio Turquoise and it's our favourite colouring in pencil um, which we used a lot in the sleepers and yeah. we use it in all our drawings and it's quite funny because like Helio Turquoise is like the most revered colouring in pencil for us and when you're in Barcelona like working in your studio in like the suburbs a million miles away from an art shot it's like these colouring in pencils become really important and we found ourselves kind of like fighting over who got to use it and for what bits and it's, yeah, yeah it's even though funny. we're working on the same drawing it was yeah. like, no I need it yeah. <laughs> it's a very like charged um, pencil but we basically we use it as yeah. a substitute for black so yeah. we don't we don't ever use um, black in the coloured pencil drawings because it kind of like, I don't know, I feel like it kills the shadow. So yeah. you'd make the shadow up of helio turquoise and red violet and then you'd start to get something close to black. Yeah. Interesting. And I love the fact that the answer to both of these is we like this. I know, me too. Like I was saying that. So you have joint answers. Brilliant. <laughs> we. What is it? We, the royal we. How long have you been together? Uh, seven years. Nearly seven years. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. Do you ever... What would happen? I mean, it's never going to happen. <laughs> what would what, you ever have to have that discussion as artists making work together as a couple? What happens if one day some something happens and you both can't do it anymore? Um, we just worry about someone's one of us dying. dying. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. I was like, if, you, if I die, you have to still sign all, your, all the work with my name. Wow. I was like, that yeah. would be incredibly sad for me. Yeah. Oh. Yes. No. Getting it's not going to happen, guys. <laughs> no. We're going to be alive working together no, forever. I think we would always work together. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know how people work, honestly. Not in a duo. The four of even doing something like this, like it's obviously like you guys are super friendly. It's really nice. But imagine just being by yourself. You don't know what to expect. You can't talk about it with anyone. You have to be really brave. Mm. I, I don't know. I I don't think I could do. Or traveling. Or well, I going. think you both seem really brave as a couple I do as well I think you're incredibly brave and incredibly going up and down the country going into these spaces and being told no and you're like actually no yes I think we both feel like we're absolute sort of shaky little cowards but we do manage to put it on somehow well I'm I'm really grateful for your work because I think you're documenting what you are documenting it's incredibly Mm. important that it has been recorded Mm. and also analysed and thought about Mm. and I think it's really good to question um, you know like different communities and Mm. especially like the gay community and how we're all taking care of each other and the respect that we need to have for each other Mm. Um, you know regardless of you know whatever you are I think it's really important that we have that respect and I feel like your work is you know analyzing and criticizing and but also celebrating mm. and um but in a really respectful way mm. that's very open and it's got having an open conversation basically and i've not really been that familiar with many artists i mean there's some people i guess prem prem sahib. Um, sahib and um you know his work kind of made me think about mm. similar issues i guess but i do really love what what, what you mm. guys are doing i think it's really really special it reminds so, me of david wonorovich yeah, his he's sort a of story and you're like and oh you just God. signed with PPOW gallery in yeah. the states who look over his archive and yeah, martin yeah. wong's yeah, and yeah. i've been his reading his so. book a friend of mine ben just gave it to me and wrote me an incredible letter in the front of the book um yeah. asking me to read it and to mm. focus oh. and actually not just get yeah. distracted and yeah. not read incredible, it incredible isn't it and um i've been researching a lot of his work this week yeah. and that picture of the buffaloes i know yeah jumping so off yeah. Yeah. yeah and i had no idea it was actually from like a museum kind of um like lemmings they just yeah but it was like a museum installation where he was actually because i was like how did he get on the side 
did that rock? You know, like, wh- well, how I'm is he there when they fell off? This. But then I realised, actually, but it's such a poetic, yeah. incredibly yeah. profound way of talking about the AIDS crisis yeah. back yeah. in the 80s. I mean, it was, I, I think he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just beginning reading his book and I, I cannot mm. wait. Well, I think you guys are continuing the conversations that were being had then. Oh, thank yeah, you. definitely. The thank you so yeah, much. Love you so much. Looking forward to your frescoes as well. I cannot wait to see your frescoes. I know, stay hold tight. It might be terrible. I'm looking forward to see them too. We should do more interviews in the future. I think we should keep checking in. Ongoing. I would love that. Yes. So thank you so much. We're going to post images of everything we've spoken about today on our Instagram at TalkArt, and we will be back very soon. Thank you very much. Big love. Thanks for listening. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com